Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. It's really hard to be in relationship when we are in our heads, in our ideas about things or how things were, how things are supposed to be. Pretty much impossible. And I find really impossible to be in relationship when I'm not receptive to what the person in front of me has to teach me. And like, you know, being in quarantine or stay at home, whatever we're call it, is just, you know, an opportunity to really have the mirror really close to how we are functioning. And so the precepts begin with these three treasures and then they end with the three treasures. And at the end, like, don't forget, don't diss the three treasures. Don't disparage them. But to me, it's such a wonderful reminder to say, like, don't forget them. Don't forget how important they are. And for us, you know, I know we can't do this kind of service work without them either. We can't really be intimate with anybody or our lives without Sangha, without receptivity and without beginner's mind. That Buddha mind. At the time of the Buddha, there was a, a nun who, whose name was Soma. I love that her name was Soma. And she was a student of the Buddha's, one of the women that he finally allowed to ordain. And one day she was sleeping, uh, no, she was <laughs> not sleeping. She was deep in her meditation, not sleeping beneath a tree in the forest grove, you know, back in the day, they used to meditate a lot in forest groves. These days they call them forest groves, but it's really like a nice building. <laughs> and Mara, the Lord of all delusion, approached her and cloaked in his invisibility and whispered into her ear, because a woman has naturally limited consciousness, the realm of wisdom is hard to reach. No woman has the ability to attain it. Soma tilted her head towards Mara and rebuked him and said, how could a woman's consciousness be a hindrance? 
when her heart is set on liberation. Am I a woman in these matters or a man? This question has no power over me, Mara. Be gone. And he was gone. I love this story very much. You know, one in particular because of the time that we're in where, you know, the people of color and people who don't have as much financial access are, you know, are seriously in danger and struggling. Those things are real and heartbreaking. Just like in this, talking about the role of women and how women for, you know, centuries have been not appreciated and felt that they could actually attain full awakening. And for sure, there, there's still people who feel that way. And yet, so there's that meeting of that aspect, the social and cultural aspect in this story. And to me, what's so moving about Soma is that her willingness that she understands who she is and she's going for freedom. She understands her social location and. So in a, a book called The Hidden Lamp, there are these wonderful, there's, it's a huge collection of stories of women, our women lineage, women's lineage and one of the reflections of this koan I love very much, and it says, what do you say to the voice that tells you, you aren't ready yet? You're not enough yet. What happens to delusion, your delusion, when you recognize it? So I wonder about, you know, I've been really thinking a lot about, um, I'm just thinking a lot about all of the bodies that are piling up and so moved by that. I don't know how many of you heard this NPR story about this man and he and his partner owned a frame store that had to close down and they really are in financial straits. And so he got a job taking care of these bodies. taking the bodies out of the hospital into these refrigerated trucks and how the bags are just, you know, there's not enough body bags, there's not enough anything. And just his willingness to be in the struggle and the impact of his putting his life at risk has shaken his marriage to his husband his husband now feels like he doesn't trust him because he feels like he's endangering him. Yeah. 
And yet there's this tenderness in his voice about how he wanted to be the person, at least he was a person who could give each body respect and dignity and imagine that there was someone who cared about each of these bodies, the people that they were. So I don't know, there's just like something about that kind of going beyond what we fear and be willing to go the distance beyond what we fear, to me is part of how we take care of the three treasures. If we stay in our fear, not that all of us would ever do what this man is doing, but how do each of us in our own way move out of our own fear and examine our fear that keeps us from taking refuge in the three treasures. And for some of us, it's not fear, but it might be, you know, some different ways that we're creating separation. Moving away from intimacy. Moving away from the tenderness that is always available if you open yourself to the moment. And to me that our work this year of really looking at what does it mean to show up and be awake in relationship, be awake at the bedside, be awake in service is so easy to say. But to me, the constant learning of this time is how do we want to be and how do we meet each challenge that we encounter in particular in our mind in particular in our thoughts the way you're thinking around fear around worry how do we work with it to me it's like such a powerful reflection. Dogen talks about, it's one of my favorite things that he, um, the founder of our Soto school, he says, not speaking ill of the three treasures, expounding the Dharma with the body is a harbor and a weir. The virtues return to the ocean of reality. You should not comment on them. Just hold them and serve them. Expounding the Dharma with the body is a harbor and a weir. A weir is like a fish pool where fish go to breed, right? a place of lots of generativity. Those little baby fishes. But expounding, so I love this idea of to actually take care of the three treasures is to expound it through our actions, through our body, which of course is where our heart and mind live. 
That's how we expound the Dharma. And that is where it becomes a harbor, right? And a harbor, of course, is a place where other ships can come in in storms and to take care and relate to the world. So how can we each be a harbor and a weir, a place of generativity and safety? Not just washing your hands and wearing a mask. How in your body and mind can you be a harbor and a weir? How can I? And to really reflect on, like in part of my body practice in the morning is like to really look at like, how is my body today? And what can it do today? Which is very different than what it could do tomorrow. So in the same way, how we uphold the three treasures moment by moment will change. So it's not like, oh, now I have to be this way. No. That doesn't serve anybody. And Bodhidharma helps us a little bit and he says, not giving rise to the dualistic view of sentient beings and Buddhas is called the precept of refraining from reviling the three treasures. So like not separating. I'm not you or I'm not that kind of person. In some of the CPE group we've been talking about the lies of our stories and how in some ways they're very convenient. Our, our narratives about who we are often are not really the whole truth. They're just handy and we're, they're actually like an addiction. The kind of person we are and the kind of person we're not. So when we're caught in that, we're actually not upholding the three treasures from at least Bodhidharma's point of view. So the literal perspective of this precept is don't speak against the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Just don't do it. (laughs) What would that be like? Never do it. The second one, the relational or the kind of more Mahayana view is examine yourself as the three treasures. So we have a ceremony called Jukai where actually you're you're inviting yourself to be the three treasures. So to speak or think ill of oneself, sometimes in these times called low self-esteem or actually arrogance can work the same way, is to revile the three treasures, to put yourself down or put yourself way up. So this also then would regard to how you deal with others and see others, experience others. So the intrinsic view of emptiness is that just don't make any distinctions between, make no distinctions between. 
And that sometimes just allowing that view of oneness, of no difference. And we can't really live in any of those particular views, but to kind of cycle through them and see what in this moment would be medicine and what would be poison. One of the practice slogans we use for this precept is to encourage others to be curious about who they are. And you be curious about them too. Encouraging curiosity in yourself and others. Such a beautiful way to maintain this precept. To be imagine going forward in our life together practicing contemplative care as a life of curiosity and encouraging others in curiosity. It's so amazing. So to me, it's about how do we really meet what we're afraid of? This is the way to me to really maintain these precepts. To really take refuge moment by moment is to face what we're most afraid of. And for most of us, it's, it's what we can most count on, which is our death. And the death of those we love. the gate that we can count on. It still always amazes me that we fear the most what we can most rely on. We're such odd creatures, strange monkeys we are, or at least I am. So I'll close with this poem that I love. Also another um, nun from the time of the Buddha. And her name is Sela. And her song is called The Rock. Because I always imagine that they were really songs, not really poems. Because they came through us orally. It's an oral tradition. She says, long after the front gate swung closed behind me, I could still hear them. Why talk so much about death? Find a husband to share your bed. Bring your children into the world to leave behind after you're gone. But ever since I invited my own death into bed with me, I no longer feel lonely or afraid of the dark. What do we really bring into this world after all? What do we truly leave behind? Mm -hmm. 
a gate swings closed and then opens. Where does it come from? Where does it 